Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. On September 17, 1966, Diane Kaidel met a boyfriend for a drink at a local night spot. After leaving the bar, she disappeared. Officials weren't sure whether she ran away from the responsibilities facing a single mother with four young children or perhaps had been the victim of foul play. That question was answered 27 years later when her daughter came forward with a fantastic tale of something she saw when she was five years old. In 1956, 21-year-old Diane Kidder went to work in her father's grocery store in Peoria, Illinois. She needed the money since she was recently divorced and was raising her two-year-old daughter, Susie. And it was in that store one day where she met a bachelor from town, Gene Kaidel. Gene wasn't the best-looking guy in the world, but he is a good talker. He's a very good talker, and he was able to uh, woo her. The couple dated for a year, fell in love, and eventually married. They moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where Gene found work in the growing construction industry. Together, Gene and Diane had three more children, Greg, Kelly, and Lori. My siblings and I were really close, yeah. It was a lot of great childhood memories. Over time, Diane and Jean decided that it was best for all concerned if they divorced. On September 17th, the couple met for dinner at a nearby restaurant to discuss the final details of the property settlement and visitation. By all accounts, the meeting went well. Afterwards, Diane dropped Jean off at his apartment. From there, Diane drove to the Amber Inn, where she met Bob Marlin, a man she had been casually dating since her separation. Finally got him out of the house. A few hours later, Jean Kaidel called Diane at the house. And when the children said she still wasn't home, he went over to babysit and fell asleep on the sofa. The next morning, Jean said he found his wife's car in the driveway, but there was no sign of her. Jean called the police department and reported her missing. I know she arrived home. Her car was there. Her purse was in the house. Her keys were in the house on the table in the kitchen. Diane did not take any clothes with her that we learned of, and there was no reason for her to run away. There was no, no motive there. Missing persons investigators couldn't understand why Diane would have left town without her children. Her neighbors, her mother and her brother, all indicated that Mrs. Kaidel would never leave her children for any length of time. They described her as an excellent mother, very concerned about her children. When police went to interview Bob Marlin, the man Diane was with at the bar, they were told an incredible piece of news. 
Bob Marlin suffered a heart attack and died the day after his date with Diane. Whatever Marlin might have known about Diane's disappearance went with him to his grave. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Two days after Diane Kaidel's mysterious disappearance, Jean Kaidel moved back into the family home to look after the four children. My father's explanation to not only his children, but to neighbors and anybody that that would inquire about my mother's um, sudden disappearance was that my mother had run off with with a boyfriend. Gene provided police with a list of men he said Diane had been dating since the separation, but they all were dead ends. Over time, the Kaidel children adjusted to life without their mother, although they all hoped that someday she would return. But four months later, tragedy struck once again. Around nine o'clock at night, while Jean was at a nearby laundromat, a fire broke out in the Kaidel's home. The blaze quickly engulfed the entire house, and the four children were trapped in their bedrooms. Susie, the oldest, led the others around the flames. But Lori ran back into her bedroom for her Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal. I fell on the floor. I was burned. I was crying. I wanted my mother. And my older sister Susie came in. The house was ablaze around us. And so she laid on top of me. She said, they're they're coming for us now, Lori. They'll help us. Uh, She said, I love you. And she said, I'll never, ever leave you. And at that point, we died, and she held me. Susie gave her life, protecting Lori from the flames. Although Lori suffered third-degree burns over 50% of her body. I was continually loved by my sister as she held me and died, protecting me. The trauma, the nightmares, the horror of it, that doesn't go away. I just try to overcome that with knowing that I was loved, that I was valuable enough to die for. What can you say? I mean, when you see that, it takes your breath away. I mean, you you, you realize that that person made the ultimate sacrifice. Eight-year-old Kelly also died in the fire. Nine-year-old Greg survived. Jean Kaidel arrived at the scene just as firemen were pulling the children from the blaze. Investigators found a melted pot on the stovetop burner. The knob was in the on position. As a result, the fire was ruled accidental. 
After spending four months in a hospital burn unit, Lori went back to live in the family home her father had rebuilt after the fire. But one year later, there was an incident that helped Lori realize the terrible truth of what happened to her mother. It happened when Laurie and her father went to a friend's funeral. His name was Michael, a boy from the neighborhood who was killed in the Vietnam War. Daddy, when is he going to wake up? He's not. He's dead. They're going to bury him today. Wake him up! Wake him up! And I began to cry, and I threw a very large distraction, a very large fit trying to make people understand that we needed to wake Michael up, that I wasn't going to permit them to bury Michael in the ground. I was the only living person that now knew the secret of my mother. But it took another 27 years for Lori to reveal the deep, dark family secret she had been harboring. In 1993, after Diane Kaidel had been missing for 27 years, her only surviving daughter, Lori, walked into the Phoenix Police Department with a written statement. It described a terrible secret she had been too afraid to reveal. To whom it may concern, I need to convey to authorities what I witnessed as a child. First, I must greatly impress the fear I have of my father's violent retaliation. I was often told when I was a child by my father, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. The letter went on to say that as a five-year-old child, Lori saw her father beat her mother to death and then bury her in the backyard. At first, Lori thought her mother was sleeping as hibernating animals do. She said she once asked her father if she could dig a hole in the backyard to feed her mother. As a five-year-old, I thought my mother was sleeping. I thought that my father made my mother go to sleep. And I thought he buried my sleeping mother in the hole in the backyard. I wasn't confused on where she was. I wasn't confused on who did it. I was confused between sleeping and death. Only after she went to her friend's funeral did she realize that her mother would never wake up. Detective Ed Reynolds at first wasn't sure what to think. I've been lied to by some pretty good liars and have been fooled by a lot of people. And when that happens, you tell yourself, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to fall hook, line, and sinker for every story that comes down the pike. And in this case, though, she did seem very believable, very truthful, very sincere in what she said. But I was still, I wanted more than just a story. I, I wanted proof. Lori said that her father poured a concrete patio over her mother's grave the day after he buried her. The home had long since been sold by her father, who was now remarried and living across town. Reynolds was hesitant to ask the new owners for permission to dig up their concrete patio without more evidence than a 27-year recollection. 
Reynolds looked all over the country for the technology that could look underneath the concrete patio without damaging it. The search took almost a year and led to a nonprofit agency in Colorado called NecroSearch, which brings applied sciences to law enforcement. In this case, NecroSearch recommended a ground-penetrating radar system. To take a look within the ground and to see if it's disturbed, that's what we do in geophysics. Just because we find a disturbance could be, could be caused by many things. The, the proof and the substantiation is going to have to be a careful excavation. When the radar was pulled across the cement decking, it revealed a ground disturbance six feet long by two feet wide in the corner of the patio. The very spot on the concrete where Lori Romanek had taken me to earlier when we had walked through the backyard where she suspected the body of her mother was buried. When police removed the concrete, they had to dig only 10 inches before making a grisly discovery, a piece of human skull. Within hours, they uncovered the rest of the remains in the shallow two-foot grave. They also discovered a bra and a girdle. Around the skeleton's neck were women's stockings. There was no identification on the remains, and bacteria in the shallow grave eliminated the possibility of DNA testing. Even the teeth were too badly damaged by bacteria to analyze the tooth pulp, usually a rich, protected source of DNA. So detectives had to use other means to identify the skeleton. The first clue was a tree root from a neighbor's mulberry tree that had grown through the skull. The root was sent to Dr. Thomas Harlan, a dendrochronologist at the University of Arizona. By studying the age of the tree root and the manner in which it penetrated the skull, Harlan was convinced that the body was placed in the ground before the tree root. Since the root was 15 years old, the body was placed in the grave before 1978. Forensic anthropologist Dr. Laura Fulginetti analyzed the skeletal remains and determined it was a Caucasian woman between 5 foot 4 and 5 foot 5 inches in height. The pelvic bones indicated that the woman had given birth to at least two children and was between 20 and 40 years of age. All were consistent with Diane Kaidel. Dental x-rays are commonly used for identification. Unfortunately, Diane Kaidel's dentist was no longer in practice, and her dental x-rays had been destroyed. As a last-ditch effort to identify the remains, Dr. Fulginetti decided to try a technique called skull photograph superimposition. What you basically are doing is taking a picture of the person in life and superimposing it onto the skull of the person that you think it might have been. Dr. Fulginetti photographed the skull in the same position and size as the photograph of Diane Kaidel taken shortly before she disappeared. A canine tooth that was slightly ajar, it's, it just stuck out slightly from her mouth. And we were able to line that tooth up with the tooth in the photograph. I have no questions. I'm sure that it's her. 
Police immediately arrested 61-year-old Gene Kaidel and charged him with murder. Lori Romanek was now ready to tell a judge and jury what really happened on the night her mother disappeared. Gene Kaidel told family and friends that his wife Diane abandoned her children and ran off with a boyfriend. But Laurie Romanek told a very different story about what happened to her mother on the night of September 17, 1966. Laurie said her mother was wearing her blue double-breasted dress when she left to meet her father for dinner at a local restaurant. After dinner, Diane drove Jean home to his apartment. Later, witnesses saw Diane at the Amber Inn, having drinks with a boyfriend. Around 11 p.m., Jean called the house to speak with Diane, and when he learned that she wasn't there, went over to the house to wait for her. When Diane returned home around midnight, the couple fought, waking five-year-old Lori and her oldest sister, Susie. The two girls went to investigate. When she saw her children, she took her defense down. And it was at that point that my father delivered her last blow. And she whipped back and hit her head and slid to the floor. Jean saw the girls run from the hallway and they hid in the closet. When the children eventually came out of hiding, they saw their mother's lifeless body on the pool deck, and they saw their father digging a hole in the backyard. The next day, Gene Kaidel poured a fresh layer of concrete over his wife's grave for what he thought would be an eternity. Laurie describes her father as an alcoholic, cruel, and violent. We're talking about the fact that my father would beat my mother violently. My father would attempt to beat his children, my siblings and I. And when my mother was alive, she would intervene. And she would not permit my father to beat his children. She was very strong on that issue. Lori also says that her father threatened to kill her if she ever revealed details of her mother's death. This was something that Lori says that she never forgot. And she had just been terrified for her whole childhood and then adult life of her, of her father, even after she got married and left the house and they barely had a relationship at some points. It was, she remembered the thing the whole way through. And somehow, I mean, I don't think there's anyone that really could exactly describe what was going on in that head of hers all those years. In 1995, Gene Kaidel was convicted for the murder of his wife, Diane, and was sentenced to life in prison. 
I think it says that the memory of a five-year-old, even though it's some 29 years later, is sufficient to convict. But again, remember, the one unanswerable question was, if what she saw wasn't what she saw, how could she have led us to the body? And she did. My father single-handedly murdered my mother, murdered my two siblings, and attempted a murder on me and a murder on my brother. I think that my father will more meet his calling upon his death. I, I pray for my father. I think that this judicial system will have nothing in the comparison of the wrath of God. And that I'm sorry for. My father will have to answer and be held accountable. What does a man tell our Creator God when God says, what did you do to that beautiful wife and lovely children I gave you? And my father will reply, I beat them, I murdered them, I burned them up in a horrible fire. What will be my father's punishment? I'm sorry, that causes me the grief that I feel today for him.